Hi, this is Steve Sleeper, producer of the North Omaha History Podcast. It's a volunteer effort, but you can help us meet expenses by becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com slash Omaha. The list of patrons and the link to Patreon is in the show notes. You can also help by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Thanks. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. From deep labor divisions to white supremacists, Omaha has a long history of mob violence. Adam shares what some of those battles were, who was in them, and who was terrorized by them, and how they affect the city still. Adam? Steve, mob violence isn't a fun topic. It's not something that I like to go on about. But when I was growing up in Omaha, mobs were associated with one era of time and one group of people. And that era was the 1960s, and those people were African Americans. And every black person that I met renounced those times or at least the mobs that ran wild during them. There were explanations, there were stories, there was education behind that that I knew nothing about. And when I learned about it, I learned about something else at the same time. It took a long time, Steve. I mean, I'm talking 25 years between the time that I was young and the time that I found out the truth. But the truth is, Omaha has a history of mob violence that goes back to the founding of the city. It goes all the way back to 1854, and it had nothing to do with black people. Well, actually, at least one of the stories did. And we're going to tell some of these stories, Steve. We're going to share some of these details. It begins with this one. Story number one. Whipped and thrown into a river. In 1856, a group of settlers near Omaha bought a couple of horses from the local Pawnees. The Pawnees got them from a couple of men selling horses nearby. And when the two horses were stolen, the settlers went to the Pawnee, who explained where the horses were from. Well, the horse thieves weren't the Pawnee. They were actually these two men. And they were identified when they were trying to sell mules to the Pawnee as well. The Pawnee tied them up and brought the men into Omaha City. They brought them to the sheriff. And the sheriff had the men tied to a liberty pole near 12th and Farnham. Right in what we know as downtown Omaha today. But back then, that was the whole of the city. That was the place to be, the liberty pole. It was a 25-foot tall pole and the men were tied to it. Half of their heads were shaven on each side by an African-American barber. The first businessman, black businessman in Omaha, by the way. One of the accused men was stripped to the hips. The original story said he was stripped to the hips and his hands were tied to the liberty pole to be whipped. The Pawnee were given the chance to whip the men first because the sheriff wanted to credit them. But when they hit the men too hard, the whips were taken from them. They were given to the horse's rightful owners. As those people began whipping the horse thieves, a local judge demanded that the whipping stop. They sent a U.S. marshal out to stop them. However, this marshal did barely anything, and the whippings continued. The mob that was there made sure that the whippings continued. 
After each man was whipped, they were thrown into the Missouri River and washed away. And they were never seen again. And that's the beginning of Omaha's mob violence that I could track down from 1856. In 1861, we have another story of George Taylor and his wife who lived on Military Road northwest of what was then Omaha. In spring, George Taylor's wife, Mrs. Taylor, reported that two thieves broke into her house, tied her up, and they took all the valuables in the house. She went to Omaha and reported that, and the marshal went out looking and found two unknown men playing cards in downtown Omaha at a saloon. They were flashing money around, and they seemed like they were guilty. So the marshal arrested these men, James Bouvet and John Iller. Uh, however, the sheriff listened to them describe the hard work they did to get their pay. Those men went back to drinking, and they went back to making their money. They're illegal gotten goods, supposedly. When later, the, the sheriff had followed up on him, and he found them walking towards the river, trying to escape Omaha. He immediately arrested them again and brought them to the courthouse this time. There, a judge had George Taylor's wife called in to identify the criminals, and she fingered Bouvet and Iller right away. But the next morning, Steve, in 1861, a group of vigilantes, a mob, showed up and decided to have their own trial with their own jury. It was a real kangaroo court. Taylor's wife testified. A real lawyer got up and said that the law should be followed and the fake trial should be stopped. The jury found the men guilty, though, and asked if they should be turned over to the mob instead of letting them go to real court. Of course, the mob said yes. So a group decided that the men should be lynched. The newspaper said, when the crowd dispersed, it was pretty generally understood that the vigilance committee would have a, quote, necktie social that very night. Steve, that necktie social was implemented by a mob who came and stole the men, pointed a gun to the face of one of them who confessed that he did it. And uh, that guy under the under gunpoint led the mob to a spot where the pair hid their booty. Now, that all happened because the other guy turned him in. The other guy ratted him out. At midnight, the mob showed up at the courthouse and overpowered the marshal and took the men from their cells. A rumor went through the crowd that Bouvet was a professional gambler and thief who'd killed several men in Colorado. And without making a confession while cursing the crowd, Bouvet was lynched. The mob lynched him with a rope hung from the rafter of the ceiling of the courthouse in downtown Omaha. For his confession, Iller was turned loose. And while he's running away from Omaha, they shot at him. And that was mob violence in 1861. Now, this whole time, you had the work of the Omaha Klan Club going on. The Omaha Klan Club was an extrajudicial mob that was formed by the city's wealthy landowners who wanted to make sure that, quote, only their kind was getting a hold of the land in the city. They routinely scared people out and used mob violence to push people off their land and even murdered a man or two. I'm collecting those stories for a later publication, but the long story short is they were rough, they were tumble, and they were the city's founding fathers. At the same time, 1867, other stuff was going on. That year in March, a mob of, quote, 400 armed Democratic roughs used revolvers to drive away 20 black men from voting in local polls. The New York Sun reported that 
on slips of manuscript so miserably written as to be next to illegible, threatening the colored men with death and all manner of violence if they attempted to exercise their lawful right to vote. Remember, this is 1867, after the Civil War was over and after Nebraska became a state. The notes that were written to warn blacks not to vote said, Notice to the Negroes of Omaha City, the first black man that takes his stand at the polls to vote will get his head skinned to the bone from his enemy. Watch out, you vulgar words, for that pate of yours. Steve, that was Omaha's mob violence in 1867. The same newspaper from New York said, the crowd of rioters were led to two of the most notorious, or they were led by two of the most notorious bullies in the city. Their followers were armed with revolvers, clubs, and all sorts of weapons. When a group of 20 black voters showed up, the paper said, they came with the utmost quietness, conducting themselves with propriety in every way. The group was stopped at the gate by the rioters and utterly denied even access to the ballot box, the roughs flourishing their weapons furiously around. This mob violence was used to keep black people from voting in Omaha. It happened more than once, but this is the most well-documented example I could find. Now, of course, the mob violence went on, Steve. In 1909, there was a Greek town riot where a Greek man shot a South Omaha policeman to death. The South Omaha policeman was Irish. The Greek man was an immigrant who wasn't regarded as white. Greeks weren't regarded as white in Omaha in the 1860s, 70s, 80s, 90s, into the 1920s. The Greek man was taken and thrown into the South Omaha jail, but when a mob showed up outside to lynch him, they snuck him out of the jail, and they brought him up to the Omaha jail for safekeeping. Well, the mob got kind of upset and went ahead and turned, instead of chasing the guy, they turned on Greek Town. They terrorized the citizens of Greek Towns and attacked their homes, businesses, and church. They ran through the tenements where the Greeks lived and the apartment buildings in South Omaha, and they ransacked and looted and screamed at them to leave. The mobs demolished buildings, businesses, and looted the stores and lit torches, and they burnt Greek Town to the ground. More than a thousand Greeks fled the city that night, and it took decades for some of them to return, while many never did. In 1919, we know the story of Will Brown and how he was lynched by a mob of 20,000 people in downtown Omaha. If you don't know that, look it up on NorthOmahaHistory.com. But what we don't talk about is the 1891 lynching of George Smith, another African-American man accused of attacking another white woman and convicted by a mob instead of a jury of his peers. Both men were lynched in downtown Omaha outside the courthouse. Both men just had commemorative ceremonies and plaques installed to remember the horrific crimes committed against them in the last couple of years that are standing outside of the Douglas County Courthouse today. And Steve, I want to end this episode by talking about the last mob violence that so many people attribute to Omaha, and particularly to North Omaha. 
I want to start this, though, by saying that in 1968, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Tonight, I must say that a riot is the language of the unheard, and it is what America has failed to hear. It's failed to hear the plight of the Negro poor that has worsened over the last 12 or 15 years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not yet been met. Dr. King was talking about the riots ravishing America and the mob violence that was behind them, particularly in 1966 in North Omaha on July 4th, when heat and benign neglect mixed together and a mob of hundreds of African-American youth rioted on North 24th Street. The National Guard had to be called in three days later to stop the rioting, but that wasn't enough. See, on August 1st, 1966, just less than a month later, 19-year-old Eugene Nesbitt was shot by an off-duty policeman. He was an African-American young man who was robbing a store and was shot dead for it. Rioting ensued after that. And for four days, the rioting continued before the National Guard was called in. In 1968, George Wallace came to Omaha and gave a super inflammatory, super racist speech to promote his candidacy for presidency on March 4th. The next day... A 16-year-old named Howard Stevenson was shot by police while he was breaking into a store. Rioting happened again, demolishing North Omaha even more. And the National Guard was called in. And then in 1969, on June 24th, a 14-year-old girl named Vivian Strong was killed by police when she was shot in the back of the head after running away from a play party that she was having with friends in the Logan Fontenelle projects. The police shot her dead. Mob violence has continued in Omaha since, and it's a very uncomfortable reality that we haven't faced as a city. Hopefully this history begins to show, though, that it's in the city's blood. Not just black people, white people too, and not just the voice of the unheard, but the voice of the rageful, the hateful, and the hurt. This has been a history of mob violence in Omaha. Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Join us next week as Adam takes you on another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past.